What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tips from the Hunt Lift Deep Podcast. This is your co-host, Perry, joined as always by my cousin, my brother, my brother. What's going on, Luke? Hey, brother. How you doing? Doing good, man. We've uh, <laughs> been shooting the shit here and decided we better start hitting record so we can actually get some of this shit documented. So, Yeah, it's funny. These podcasts sometimes end up into like a couple hour just bro fest slash reunions where we don't really get to talk but you know we get to see each other via the video message and just shoot the shit catch up and uh the podcast almost becomes secondary it's like oh yeah we we had a reason for doing this and it's actually to record something and, and hopefully on this episode provide a little bit of uh insight to you folks so let's get to it yeah definitely so i'll, I'll open this one i usually don't open uh but uh this one goes against my usual guidance to most folks that come on Tuesday Tips, which is to be very specific. And uh, this one is going to be kind of broad, but it's about buying tags for Western honey. Um, and it's not going to be the, the kind of the tactical side with the nitty gritty because every state's different and that would take forever. But it's going to be kind of your mindset as you're buying tags. If you're, if you're coming from the east side um, of the country and you're used to buying all your tags, it's Usually you're you're looking at especially in the southeast you're looking at six to twelve doe tags deer tags for whitetail, um, unlimited pigs, a couple turkeys, and it's all very you know fairly cheap. When you're paying non-resident prices to come out to kill a species of an animal of an animal like an antelope, a mule deer, an elk, it can be pretty pricey. And so folks tend to kind of be a little uh, on the cheaper side. And what I would just say is like, yes, obviously do everything within your budget, but the more tags you have, consider it kind of like a lottery. It's more chances to win. Um, so if you can stack some tags here or there, it's going to make a huge difference in your ability to actually punch those tags. Uh, a lot of people think like, oh, I'm going to go out with one tag and I'm going to punch that tag. But probably not. Um, so I, I would just be flexible in how you're buying your tags, where you're buying your tags, and what you're stacking on. It's worth having a couple tags in your pocket and just you got to understand and know that you're you're likely going to eat a few of those tags. Um, you've got to pay to play. It, it all goes back into the system. It goes back into conservation. It goes back into habitat management. It goes back into all these things. And so it, that was something that I kind of had to come to terms with when I came out here was I was used to buying those uh, kind of single hunt licenses or maybe the, the – couple tack on for the different weapons or whatever for Virginia or, or Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, all the places that I hunted. Uh, it's a lot different in the Western side. Yeah, I like that. I think it is one of those things that involves a bit of a shift in your mindset, particularly if you are coming from that Eastern world, Exhibit A, me right here. You, you're right. You, you buy your license and you get those five doe tags or and two bucks or, you know, whatever it is, um, turkey season, you got two gobblers, three. The way that I would encourage folks to look at it, because I think it makes a ton of sense, is it's almost like you're treating it like an investment. You're treating it like you're hedging your bets. Um, to get into the specifics, I'm obviously coming out to Colorado in about a month and a half into September, and we're going to try to go get on some antelope with, uh, with, on a on muzzleloader. The original plan was try to get after them with the bows. Um, we 
saw some of the, the situation that's going on with the tags that are available, switch gears, are going to try to get muzzleloader. And you just texted me the other day that, um, that it might make sense to have a buck and a doe tag in the pocket. And it's like, here's the deal. I've already bought the plane ticket. I know I'm coming. You're paying for the travel. You're taking the time off work. What's more important than your time? You've already, and you're, that's the biggest investment that, that most of us have, right? And for, for me, I know for you, like we talk about this all the time, our time is, is one of, if not the most, you know, valuable things to us in terms of, of a, of a value standpoint. So if you have a limited window of time, which I'm going to on this antelope hunt, then it absolutely makes sense to spend a few extra bucks and try to increase the odds by putting another tag in your pocket. And if, if people do that and they see the results of that success, it pays off, then that's a, I mean, that's just going to lead to more confidence, um, more willingness to, to take those trips, to pay into that system. Again, these tags, these license sales, it's all going back into the conservation of the, of the land and the species that, uh, that we're chasing that we're passionate about. It's a win, win, win. I love it. Yeah. I almost consider, uh, my tags and, and everything I pay into the conservation systems for the various states that I hunt, it, it's not tax deductible, but to me, in, in my mind, it's a donation. That, that is something I care about that I value that I want. You know, I have a son obviously coming very, very soon, any day now. Um, <clears throat> I want him to be able to experience all these things. So I'm willing to pay in and, and do this. And so, I don't ever think of the money as sunk cost or something that I've lost. It's just it's just paying into the system, and it, it's okay because I'm paying for my son and his children and my sons or daughters that I have going forward to be able to hunt into these or hunt these species and experience the same experiences that I experienced, and that's what it's all about. Um, and it's also dollar cost averaging, right? So when you look at all your hunts and I kind of did this this year and it was hard for me at first but as I um the next podcast that you guys are going to hear um or the next couple actually it'll be two podcasts from now uh Perry and I talk about all of our hunts going forward and within that I I paid extra for some of the hunt or some of the tags in uh in Wyoming and when you factor that in and then you average it out with the tags that I bought in Colorado as a resident, it all kind of like evens out a little bit. And then some of the, the out of state tags back in Virginia or wherever, it's all about the experience. It's not necessarily about the meat and the price per pound. If you think about hunting price per pound, you're setting yourself up for absolute failure. Uh, if you're, if you're sitting in the, in the East and you can hammer, you know, 10 does in Georgia and two bucks, on you know $135 tag like sure uh your price per pound is great but when you start thinking about it with the western model or um even some of the states that are a little bit more close hold with their whitetail tags it, it is not the same and you just got to know that it, it is not the most cost effective way like if you want to provide the most cost effective way to you know put meat on the table probably just go down to fucking walmart and grab some fucking shit off the shelf uh, if you want to have the, the fulfillment, the uh, experience, everything that goes into it, the camaraderie with camp, with 
you know, making friends on the trail, like everything that goes into it, that's where hunting comes into play. And that's what you got to understand when you buy your tags. Yeah. And, and again, at the end of the day, if you are coming from that Eastern world, again, what, what I think this tip is, is predominantly about is a kind of a mindset, changing that mindset is something that like I'm kind of working through. I'm yet to go on my first Western hunt, but I'm anticipating a couple this year and thinking about it. Um, it's going to be a limited window. I'm coming to Colorado for five days. Idaho is a max of two weeks. Um, if I had a chance to, to increase my odds in Idaho, <laughs> you better believe I would be all over it. Um, it, it. I think it's one of those deals. You look at it as that, that ROI. If you, if you have that four-day window, that five-day window, that eight days, whatever it is, why not give yourself the, the best chance possible? And at the end of the day, again, it's not a sunk cost. It's something that's going towards the system. You can you can feel good about that. Take solace in it, and and um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Out of my Western hunts last year, I punched one out of four tags. Um, and if you ask me right now, do I regret buying the other tags? I'll tell you, hundred percent not. Even the hunt that I didn't actually make it to because I flipped my truck. I do not regret it because I learned a lot of valuable lessons uh, about what I need to have for my recovery kit and like building out and like not rushing. Like I just learned a lot of shit, you know, like things went almost as wrong as they could go. And I learned so much. And so that's what it comes down to for me is like you're paying for the experience, you're paying for the learning and you're because if you don't have that tag, you're not going to go do it. And I don't care what anybody says like, oh, my no, no, no. If you don't have that tag in your pocket, you're not going to go to that area. You're not going to traipse around it the same way you're going to traipse around it if you have the tag in your pocket. So you're paying for the experience, and it's worth it, 100%. So the moral of the story is, have the tag in your pocket. No matter what you do, you're not going to fuck up as bad as Luke already has. That's completely true. <laughs> All right, what's your tip, Perry? Yeah, my tip this week is uh, – kind of a complete 180 from that um it is it's a tip that that you and i have talked about ad nauseum in the past it's something that i know better and it's something that just absolutely stared me right in the face um literally just this past weekend so my tip for this week is especially for all you new hunters out there people that are maybe just getting into the trail camera game if you're setting trail cameras for whitetail particularly it could apply to other species as well but i'm particularly thinking about whitetail, um, always set the camera lower than you think you should. <laughs> this is something that I remember you telling me a couple of years ago when you were first setting up cameras on, I think it was public land, maybe on base down in Georgia. Yep. yep. And you were like, Pig traps. yep. And you were like, man, those things are shorter than you think. Like you, you set up where you think they should go and all you get is the tops of their heads tips of their ears maybe the tips of their antlers if you know if it's a buck and hell i've been looking at deer my entire life I, you, you think you know how big they are but we've been running cameras now on the family farm for a couple of years it's it's admittedly something that we haven't been doing you know as long as a lot of guys but we started getting into it this year we expanded the net even further i set out 12 trail cameras just on the family farm about uh, a month and a half ago, I think it was like end of June, and I went back just this past weekend to check them, 
revisit them all for the first time. And there were two or three cameras out of the 12 that I still had to lower after pulling those cards and looking at the pictures because I'd set them too high, knowing going into them that I needed to set them lower than I think I did. So that was something I was thinking about as I set these cameras up. A lot of them were in new spots, um, and I still set a few of them too high. So that's my tip for this week. Set those cameras lower than you think because otherwise you're just getting nothing but the tips of the ears, the tips of the antlers, and it's really frustrating when you have a buck that you think could be decent and you can only see the very top of his antlers. Deer are so much shorter than I ever thought they were. Yep, that was it's really like when I started putting out cameras, I mean pigs are even lower, but like the truck cam needs to be like weirdly low on the tree for you to like get the pictures you want to get. And I mean, look, there's different strategies for camera placement and um different people approach it different ways. I don't claim to be an expert on trail cameras. We're relatively new to the game and I'm still running a lot of this shit out for myself. I know I've heard guys talking about setting them up high, setting them at angles so they're looking down. Um, if you're if they're on public land and you're worried about them getting stolen, that's a whole a whole nother thing. I totally get that. But I'm just talking about your average setup over a scrape over a mineral lake that you're using to monitor, um, you know, close to a bedding, a bedding area, a well, well-known trail, travel corridor, or food source, anything like that. If it's a, if it's a relatively known area of, of deer activity and you think it's a good spot, set the camera up. If, if you're new to it, if, if you've been doing this for 10 years, you know, you've already figured out a lot of these tricks, but, um, Again, it wasn't every one, but out of 12 cameras, I think I moved two or three down this weekend. And I thought when I was setting them up that I had set them up low enough, pulled the cards, checked the pictures, and there was at least a couple of the, that I uh, I just I just captured the top of the antlers. And that's really frustrating because this is the time of year where you start, you're starting that inventory. You want to see who's on your property and, and uh, what's, what's changed from last year, who's grown. And if you think you got a good spot and you're not seeing the full picture, then that trail camera is not returning its full value, which is, you know, ultimately what we're after. So that's my tip. Set your cameras low. You'll be thankful you did. Yeah, it's going to be obvious to a lot of folks that have been running cameras for a long time. But uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's like the mistake that look, we all just keep making. Every time I hang a trail camera, usually there's one that I'm just like, son of a bitch, this needs to be lower. But no, that's a great tip, man. Um, just hang it lower than you need to, or you think you need to, and it'll be probably where it needs to be. But yeah, we'll wrap this one up, man. This is uh, some, some solid little tips here. I appreciate the hell out of every single one of you guys. Thank you so much.